The Law of Success in 16 Lessons Summary of Introductory Lesson The purpose of this summary is to aid the student in mastering the central idea around which the lesson has been developed. This idea is represented by the term mastermind which has been described in great detail throughout the lesson. All new ideas, and especially those of an abstract nature, find lodgment in the human mind only after much repetition, a well-known truth which accounts for the restatement, in this summary, of the principle known as the mastermind. A mastermind may be developed by a friendly alliance, in a spirit of harmony of purpose, between two or more minds. This is an appropriate place at which to explain that out of every alliance of minds, whether in a spirit of harmony or not, there is developed another mind which affects all participating in the alliance. No two or more minds ever met without creating, out of the contact, another mind, but not always is this invisible creation a mastermind. There may be, and altogether too often there is, developed out of the meeting of two or more minds a negative power which is just the opposite to a mastermind. There are certain minds which, as has already been stated throughout this lesson, cannot be made to blend in a spirit of harmony. This principle has its comparable analogy in chemistry, reference to which may enable the student to grasp more clearly the principle here referred to. 108- For example, the chemical formula H2O, meaning the combining of two atoms of hydrogen with one atom of oxygen, changes these two elements into water. One atom of hydrogen and one atom of oxygen will not produce water, moreover, they cannot be made to associate themselves in harmony. There are many known elements which, when combined, are immediately transformed from harmless into deadly poisonous substances. Stated differently, many well-known poisonous elements are neutralized and rendered harmless when combined with certain other elements. Just as the combining of certain elements changes their entire nature, the combining of certain minds changes the nature of those minds, producing either a certain degree of what has been called a master mind, or its opposite, which is highly destructive. Any man who has found his mother-in-law to be incompatible has experienced the negative application of the principle known as a master mind. For some reason as yet unknown to investigators in the field of mind behavior, the majority of mothers-in-law appear to affect their daughters' husbands in a highly negative manner, the meeting of their minds with those of their sons-in-law creating a highly antagonistic influence instead of a master mind. This fact is too well known as a truth to make extended comment necessary. Some minds will not be harmonized and cannot be blended into a master mind, a fact which all leaders of men will do well to remember. It is the leader's responsibility so to group his men that those who have been placed at the most strategic points in his organ. 109-Ization are made up of individuals whose minds can and will be blended in a spirit of friendliness and harmony. Ability so to group men is the chief outstanding quality of leadership. In lesson 2 of this course the student will discover that this ability was the main source of both the power and fortune accumulated by the late Andrew Carnegie. Knowing nothing whatsoever of the technical end of the steel business, Carnegie so combined and grouped the men of which his mastermind was composed that he built the most successful steel industry known to the world during his lifetime. Henry Ford's gigantic success may be traced to the successful application of this selfsame principle. With all the self-reliance a man could have, Ford, nevertheless, did not depend upon himself for the knowledge necessary in the successful development of his industries. Like Carnegie, he surrounded himself with men who supplied the knowledge which he, himself, did not and could not possess. Moreover, Ford picked men who could and did harmonize in group effort. The most effective alliances, which have resulted in the creation of the principle known as the mastermind, have been those developed out of the blending of the minds of men and women. The reason for this is the fact that the minds of male and female will more readily blend in harmony than will the minds of males. 
Also, the added stimulus of sexual contact often enters into the development of a master mind between a man and a woman. 110- It is a well-known fact that the male of the species is keener and more alert for the chase, let the goal or object of the chase be what it may, when inspired and urged on by a female. This human trait begins to manifest itself in the male at the age of puberty, and continues throughout his life. The first evidence of it may be observed in athletics, where boys are playing before an audience made up of females. Remove the women from the audience and the game known as football would soon become a very tame affair. A boy will throw himself into a football game with almost superhuman effort when he knows that the girl of his choice is observing him from the grandstand. And that same boy will throw himself into the game of accumulating money with the same enthusiasm when inspired and urged on by the woman of his choice, especially if that woman knows how to stimulate his mind with her own, through the law of the mastermind. On the other hand, that same woman may, through a negative application of the law of the mastermind, nagging, jealousy, selfishness, greed, vanity, drag this man down to sure defeat. The late Albert Hubbard understood the principle here described so well that when he discovered that the incompatibility between himself and his first wife was dragging him down to sure defeat he ran the gamut of public opinion by divorcing her and marrying the woman who is said to have been the main source of his inspiration. Not every man would have had the courage to. 111 Defy public opinion, as Hubbard did, but who is wise enough to say that his action was not for the best interest of all concerned? A man's chief business in life is to succeed. The road to success may be, and generally is, obstructed by many influences which must be removed before the goal can be reached. One of the most detrimental of these obstacles is that of unfortunate alliance with minds which do not harmonize. In such cases the alliance must be broken or the end is sure to be defeat and failure. The man who has mastered the six basic fears, one of which is the fear of criticism, will have no hesitancy in taking what may seem to the more convention-bound type of mind to be drastic action when he finds himself circumscribed and bound down by antagonistic alliances, no matter of what nature or with whom they may be. It is a million times better to meet and face criticism than to be dragged down to failure and oblivion on account of alliances which are not harmonious, whether the alliances be of a business or social nature. To be perfectly frank, the author is here justifying divorce, when the conditions surrounding marriage are such that harmony cannot prevail. This is not intended to convey the belief that lack of harmony may not be removed through other methods than that of divorce, for there are instances where the cause of antagonism may be removed and harmony established without taking the extreme step of divorce. While it is true that some minds will not blend in a spirit of harmony, and cannot be forced or induced to do so, because of the chemical nature of the 112 if you cannot do great things yourself, remember that you may do small things in a great way. 113- Individuals' brains, do not be too ready to charge the other party to your alliance with all the responsibility of lack of harmony, remember, the trouble may be with your own brain. Remember, also, that a mind which cannot and will not harmonize with one person or persons may harmonize perfectly with other types of minds. Discovery of this truth has resulted in radical changes in methods of employing men. It is no longer customary to discharge a man because he does not fit in the position for which he was originally hired. The discriminating leader endeavors to place such a man in some other position, where, it has been proved more than once, misfits may become valuable men. The student of this course should be sure that the principle described as the mastermind is thoroughly understood before proceeding with the remaining lessons of the course. The reason for this is the fact that practically the entire course is closely associated with this law of mind operation. If you are not sure that you understand this law, 
Communicate with the author of the course and secure further explanation by asking such questions as you may wish concerning points in connection with which you believe you need further information. You cannot spend too much time in serious thought and contemplation in connection with the law of the mastermind, for the reason that when you have mastered this law and have learned how to apply it new worlds of opportunity will open to you. This introductory lesson, while not really intended as a separate lesson of the law of success. 114 Course, contains sufficient data to enable the student who has an aptitude for selling to become a master salesman. Any sales organization may make effective use of the law of the master mind by grouping the salesman in groups of two or more people who will ally themselves in a spirit of friendly cooperation and apply this law as suggested in this lesson. An agent for a well-known make of automobile, who employs 12 salesmen, has grouped his organization in six groups of two men each, with the object of applying the law of the master mind with the result that all the salesmen have established new high sales records. This same organization has created what it calls the one-a-week club, meaning that each man belonging to the club has averaged the sale of one car a week since the club was organized. The results of this effort have been surprising to all. Each man belonging to the club was provided with a list of 100 prospective purchasers of automobiles. Each salesman sends one postal card a week to each of his 100 prospective purchasers, and makes personal calls on at least 10 of these each day. Each postal card is confined to the description of but one advantage of the automobile the salesman is selling, and asks for a personal interview. Interviews have increased rapidly, as have, also, sales. The agent who employs these salesmen has offered an extra cash bonus to each salesman who earns the right to membership in the one-a-week club by averaging one car a week. 115- The plan has injected new vitality into the entire organization. Moreover, the results of the plan are showing in the weekly sales record of each salesman. A similar plan could be adopted very effectively by life insurance agencies. Any enterprising general agent might easily double or even triple the volume of his business, with the same number of salesmen, through the use of this plan. Practically no changes whatsoever would need to be made in the method of use of the plan. The club might be called the policy a week club, meaning that each member pledged himself to sell at least one policy, of an agreed minimum amount, each week. The student of this course who has mastered the second lesson, and understands how to apply the fundamentals of that lesson, a definite chief aim, will be able to make much more effective use of the plan here described. It is not suggested or intended that any student shall undertake to apply the principles of this lesson, which is merely an introductory lesson, until he has mastered at least the next five lessons of the Law of Success course. The main purpose of this introductory lesson is to state some of the principles upon which the course is founded. These principles are more accurately described, and the student is taught in a very definite manner how to apply them, in the individual lessons of the course. The automobile sales organization referred to in this summary meets at luncheon once a week. One hour and a half is devoted to luncheon and to the discussion of ways and means of applying the PRIN. 116- Simples of this course. This gives each man an opportunity to profit by the ideas of all the other members of the organization. Two tables are set for the luncheon. At one table all who have earned the right to membership in the one-a-week club are seated. At the other table, which is serviced with tinware instead of china, all who did not earn the right to membership in the club are seated. These, needless to say, become the object of considerable good-natured chiding from the more fortunate members seated at the other table. It is possible to make an almost endless variety of adaptations of this plan, both in the field of automobile salesmanship and in other fields of selling. The justification for its use is that it pays. It pays not only the leader or manager of the organization, but every member of the sales force as well. 
This plan has been briefly described for the purpose of showing the student of this course how to make practical application of the principles outlined in this course. The final acid test of any theory or rule or principle is that it will actually work. The law of the mastermind has been proved sound because it works. If you understand this law you are now ready to proceed with lesson 2, in which you will be further and much more deeply initiated in the application of the principles described in this introductory lesson. 117- Greater than a winner never quits, and a quitter never wins.